Welcome to Violet Sessions. I'm Danielle Radoichin. We are recording at Violet Bakery in East London with my co-host Claire Patak. And today we are talking to the television and radio presenter Alice Levine. As well as being one of the co-presenters of the My Dad Wrote a Porno podcast, she is a presenter on Radio 1, has presented Big Brother's Bit on the side and has even designed a capsule collection for finery. With her friend Laura, she is also one half of the food duo Jackson and Levine, hosting supper clubs in London, writing a food column in Marie Claire, and recently publishing a food book. So, let's hear more about Alice on Violet Sessions. So, hi. 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 This is so Welcome nice. Welcome to Violet Sessions. Thanks for coming. Are you, um, people kept, who was that guy talking to you when we came in? Are you, do you feel, are you famous? And do you feel oh, famous? Oh, that was a, fr- a friend of Claire's that I just butted into the conversation. Because oh. <laughs> I walked in and I was like, wow, she's really famous. Like, I thought he was asking for your autograph. And... Oh, no, I, I just paid him £10 really quick as you walked in and I just, just say you want a picture with me. But do you get recognised on the street or out and about? It's funny because I think when you do radio, there's quite a nice anonymity with that where people maybe know your voice but they wouldn't know what you look like. But the weird thing that people sometimes want to talk to me about is the podcast I do, which is My Dad Wrote a Porno, and people don't have a filter for that, so they'll be like... I just have to say, I love porno. And you're like, cool, can we not talk about this in the frozen Isle of Sainsbury's? Thanks so much. Or outside church. Cheers. Yeah, so that's the one thing that people like to have a chinwag about. You, you did record one of the episodes in a church, though, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. Oh, did we did it feel? live at Union Chapel in Islington. Yeah, in a in an actual chapel. Mm. That felt so wrong, as I mean, as it should, because <laughs> porn is very rarely performed in churches wow. around the world. Um, yeah, there was, I think initially we were like, is this okay? Like, do we need to get a letter that says, like, how yeah. do you, do we need to throw some holy water around? What do you do? Um, but they lapped it up. I mean, there are perverts everywhere. That's what you forget. I mean, your cafe... Yeah. Full of them, full honestly. Of them. Look around you. Look, just look. <laughs> Sorry, I think, customers. I think, I think you know who I'm talking about. <laughs> um, so, how's that all going with the porno podcast? Is it? It's become. It, it became a phenomenon, and sort of. I felt like it spun off onto its own little world. I thought you could you say it like became that? a phenomenon, and then I felt like it just went away, and people <laughs> no, were really nobody cares about it anymore. <laughs> came and went like a really bad uh, trend no. or fad um, no no <laughs> yeah it's good we were, we're just recording because we're going to start a new series soon um, so yeah it's just strange because your friendship becomes about that for a while because you mm. just meet up to read pornography as I'm sure you know I mean like I'm sure you've had a pound every time someone said that to you um, it's so fun to do well like like this it's just so fun isn't it I would, so do, it, I would do it all the time definitely this is definitely it's, the highlight of my week yeah, yeah. it's all about um, making work out of something you just want to do definitely like definitely read porn all day <laughs> yeah exactly I had that desire and I just thought, and you made a job out of it what's a format for that fantastic because I I used to, when I worked at ASOS which I was just we were just talking about and um, I work with a lot of people in their 20s women in their 20s mainly and it just felt like that podcast really hit a nerve did you have any idea that was going to happen when you were making it or did you think it was going to be something completely different that's a really tough one because I always think that I sound 
mega conceited when I say I thought it was a good idea. I mean, obviously you think something's a good idea if you're going to put your time and effort into it. But also, I think it's the only good idea that the three of us have ever had. So I always think when people are like, wonder what's next? I'm like, no, 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 we're spent now. Like, that was our idea for life. Um, I, did, I didn't know that it would... Do you think you should explain a little bit about how it sure. came about? Because just to explain, like, I think a lot of, cl- of our listeners are in California. Sure. <laughs> so, hi, hi, California. Yeah. <laughs> people who might, to people who might not know who you are. Sure. Hi, West Coast. Yeah. So, um, my name's Alice. <laughs> I was born in 86. Uh, so, I do a podcast with two friends that I met at university, and one of their dads wrote an erotic novel. And that was Leeds University, right? Leeds University, yeah. all those many years ago. And we'd done, like, fun, funny stuff together that we thought was fun and funny um, as stuff on the side. Like, we'd all worked in TV and radio for a long time, and then we just did, did things that were passion projects, like, just kind of just for us, and if people enjoyed it, great, but we just wanted to make things together. And then one day Jamie was like, oh, yeah, my, my dad's written this novel, and he brought it to a, um, to a Sunday lunch that we were having, and we died. Like, he went to us, and we, we couldn't... I actually couldn't breathe. You know, when you just get a pain in your chest, and you're like, I've never had a heart attack, but is this what it feels like? You know, your, your arm goes dead from laughing, and, like, an eye's twitching. And we were like, we should do something with this, but I don't know what it is. And then podcasting felt like a really nice medium, because, as you know, it, it, there's just something really intimate about it, and it just felt like we wanted to create a bit of a, a gang and a club like you guys have, and so we It's really that. clever in so many ways, though, too, because it's like, you don't have no one has to know that you're listening yeah, to it exactly. you can listen to it with your headphones it's also reading it not watching it obviously yeah. it's yeah. perfect it's an imagination thing definitely you yeah. fill in the gaps for sure and is the book actually real because I've heard rumours that it doesn't what rumours have you heard Dan? I heard I'm not going to say who told me <laughs> That, who are you going um, to incriminate? There never was a book written called written, written that you just that it's all just like a made up thing. There never which was is not a bad book. thing. The three people died twenty five years ago. <laughs> um, there is a book. Uh, it's an ebook. So Jamie's dad published it as an ebook. And did he actually write it? I mean, yes. Because have you? I don't know. I don't know if you've heard any of it. It's the pits. Like I, I don't think I could write that badly on purpose. It's incredible. Also, he's so prodigious. Like he's written about seven of them. So I mean, that Belinda. <laughs> Belinda is the, the key character. Belinda Blumenthal. Um, yeah, no, no, he wrote it. I mean, we. I sometimes feel bad taking credit for the podcast because basically we read his terrible work and yeah, we tear it to shreds and mock it. But like the funny bit is what he's written. So the fact that we're getting, I mean, it's, I mean, it's great. We're just cashing in. Surely on he's sold more of his ebooks. Yeah, I think he's sold about. 12, yeah. Where, go, go, he, go where, where does he live? Uh, he lives... Um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say where he lives, actually. I was just wondering if it become a bit of a thing. And a bit of a South of England. Between and how, and how does, and how is your relationship with him and how does he feel about all that? Yeah. So he's a dad, so like part of, part of him is like bemused by it all. Uh, and another part of him gets really excited about it. So he listens to the podcast and we get kind of... It's this weird cycle of review where like we're reviewing his book he's reviewing the podcast we're, we're reviewing his emails about the podcast um, he's just so breezy I mean obviously he's really generous because we're quite mean about his writing and he's a really good sport um, I'm actually seeing him today I'm gonna, his name? Uh, his name is Rocky Flintstone Pe- pen name I should say pen name but Danielle I couldn't possibly tell you his real identity 
Fantastic. So, and you do lots of other stuff as well. Um, you present on Radio One. Yes. And you presented on TV as well, and you various presenting. Lots of bits and bobs. Yeah. And so, a lot of what you do is with someone else. Yes. <laughs> yeah. um, I piggyback on other people's yeah, talent. No, yeah. I, I'm quite interested in that idea. Is that something that you? Yeah. Do you deliberately set out to do that because you feel like you bounce well off other people? It's a good question, actually. I've never, I've never really analysed that enough. I suppose. So all the broadcast stuff that I've done, um, I suppose, is as a lot of that's been been solo. But sometimes you get you know paired with somebody, um, and that's either organic because you work really well together, or that you or you get put with somebody because the channel likes that, or yeah. the, yeah, the commissioner likes that. Um, and I think all of the things that I do that aren't the day job so aren't doing TV and radio I suppose have just been ideas first or like the person first maybe so like the Jackson Levine stuff the stuff because I do with Laura Jackson um I met Laura and you know when you like in a friend way fall in love with somebody she's a really yeah. you met her at a jumble sale met her right? at a jumble sale where all the best people meet um, <laughs> totally agree with that by the way <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking about TK Maxx I mean that's another yeah, great exactly. place to meet if you can survive TK Maxx together you could say that is a bit like a jumble sale oh for sure slightly higher prices oh, yeah. Yeah. the one near here is it's chaos it's like a war zone um, but yeah I just really fell for her she was like really dynamic and exciting and enthusiastic and I think we wanted to find a thing to do together and because we're chalk and cheese we're completely different I think we were like we have to find on the Venn diagram what's that thing in the middle like what's the thing that connects us and that was food mm. so it wasn't so much that we knew how we would how that would manifest but I think um, we thought oh let's let's do a foodie thing together the way you guys were like, we like met, like on the, yeah, exactly. met on the podcast mm. we want to do a thing together and with the boys and the and the porn stuff you know we <laughs> we knew that together we were better than the sum of our parts and so again it was like I don't know what that is but like let's let's use that and again really different skills so James is an amazing producer Jamie is has a dad that wrote ball over also is incredible at editing and like you know just so brilliant technically and also both of them so funny so I think it's that thing of you have to have enough common ground but then you also have to bring really different things to the table and a bit of me is also like they're really talented and maybe I can make my buck out of them I think it's fantastic because I'm always um, you know I did I've created Violet alone <laughs> all by myself um, oh, and did, okay. <laughs> yeah. um, did it, but I, I think I wanted to because I had heard heard and seen actually witnessed um, working in other restaurants and things you know terrible fallouts with business partners sure. and things like that um, and so I thought oh I gotta do it by myself and then I can you know also a bit of a control freak can do totally. it and I, I agree with that yeah but as I um, you know I think it's so inspiring to see you being so young fresh <laughs> I'm <laughs> having, 14 but having kind of figured that out because I think now I, I really try to I start you know do a lot of collaboration and it's so great but it's nice to do both isn't it? I think yeah, it's nice to true. have stuff that's yours and you're right I think anybody who is a bit creative with that comes a bit of control freakery because mm. you're very particular about what you want to make or you have a it's just having I sometimes think control freak this is another it's way of bad, saying you're yeah. particular or yeah. you have an idea or you have 
a vision, vision. or whatever. Yeah, um, it's, it's a, yeah, it's, saying you have a vision is, is a <laughs> nice, so nice nicer, isn't it? We have vision, guys. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> how, did, how did you two meet each other? I think through Laura. Through Laura. So at, how did I meet Laura? I met Laura because, this is a funny fact, <laughs> um, probably 12 years ago, she was working with Kenna, this um, amazing hair hairstylist. And he had a place on Broadway Market. And they called me and asked me to make gingerbread men that they <laughs> would have little ginger little parts. Numbers. Yeah, numbers. <laughs> Decorated areas. on. Areas, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh my god, these people are hilarious. And so, and it was Laura that um, that commissioned the job. And then, Don't call it a job. Yeah. <laughs> And then um, that sounds about right. It's a very, yeah. very classy project we're working on together. <laughs> and then she sort of has always ordered cakes for me and sort of you know followed my career and stuff. Really, she's, she's a fan. Just she's, kidding. She, no, she's <laughs> a massive. She is a massive fan of yours. And, and I'm a massive fan of hers. And then I guess we met just through yeah through her. And I think yeah. there's another one where. Just got good vibes, Claire. Just felt like you were vibes. Felt like you were good egg. Total good vibes. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I think I think what's nice is doing the food stuff because Laura and I are very much cooks. Not so yeah, you did. So maybe explain a bit about what so yeah, you met the jumble sale. You met the jumble sale. And the rest is immediate. Thanks for having me on the show. <laughs> um, oh, you want um, me to elaborate? Okay. Um, yeah. So it started with supper clubs, which yeah, yeah. yeah. Started with supper clubs. Um, we met probably about four years ago at the Jumble Sale and quite quickly after that decided that we would like to try and do a supper club and we didn't really know the rules or know what that was but we thought we're, we're not chefs. We was that at that time there was sort of a supper club thing happening in London? Was it just yeah, a sort of definitely was a bit of a thing happening. It had been happening yeah. in Paris for a while, right? And I suddenly felt like it came to London. Yeah, I agree with that. Did yeah. you feel like it was a new thing? There was a, there was yeah. a, a definitely a trend. Yeah, that and I happened. think that phrase hadn't been used loads, and it was exactly. suddenly happening. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And there were the the um, the guys that were doing. Um, like, I think ginger lime was around, and mm-hmm. uh, Laura had been to. Is it Miss Marmite? Miss Marmite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She'd been to hers. And we did some here as well, actually. I had yeah. chef friends that would visit from other countries, and they would come, and I'd say like, just cook, come cook in Violet. Yeah. You know, we're closed in the evening anyway. So yeah, and it, it was it was a thing. For yeah, a while. definitely. And the ten bells. It was in the, the New York Times, like a, a sort of story about the supper clubs in London. Yeah, random. It's, it's funny because I think it's not. I mean, it, I guess it's just synonymous with a pop up, but supper club felt a bit different somehow and, we, and we, our aspiration wasn't ever to run a restaurant because we couldn't mm. um, but we were home cooks we liked cooking and we also liked putting things on and having people entertaining them yeah. hosting yeah which all sounds a bit 80s doesn't it but yeah it's all of those things definitely well. <laughs> I know look at, it. look at that cover my god um so yeah, so we, we did one and we had friends and friends of friends as a bit of a tryout. We did it at Laura's apartment because at the time she lived um, in Haggerton, East London, in a really lovely old uh, shoe factory that her and her other half John rented. So we kind of cleared everything out of there, we realised we didn't have enough chairs, tables, knives, forks or spoons. And we were like, right, we're going to have to beg, borrow and steal. I think we charged people £25 and they got like... 
I think we probably did like 900 courses, you know, when you like completely over cater. And we were like, and give them loads of bread and like give them loads of starch where they must be full. I think there's a big emphasis on people leaving Abundance, abundance. Yeah, exactly. And they'll have porridge on arrival so that they're definitely not having rumbling tummies. So it wasn't about making money. It was. Oh my goodness, no. I'm trying to think how much we lost on the first one. And somebody said to us, I can't believe, I can't remember exactly what it was that we served, but there was a cut of meat that somebody was like, are you joking? Why would you get that really expensive cut of meat? And we were like, oh, right. Filet mignon. Yeah, precisely. <laughs> Be economical. Right, okay. But we loved it. And then we sort of said, well, let's, let's just go one at a time. And like with each one, let's decide there and then, are we going to do it and give ourselves a couple of weeks and put it on? Because what's hard is to... It is a business now, and it is as important to us as the other stuff that we do. But we also have to fit it in somehow. So we just—it just always had to be flexible. We always had to be understanding of each other that we had other lives before we met each other, and so we couldn't say we're going to do this every third Thursday of the month. It just couldn't exist like that. But we've been lucky. <laughs> oh, you're nodding. There's a lot of nodding. Wink, wink. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Is that true for you? Yes, definitely. Yeah, I think. I, I mean, it'd be nice if it was as. Um, as organised as that but actually there's something really lovely about uh, about the relationship that we ha- now have which is sort of sibling like because yeah. when you have a project that's businessy together you sort of transcend a normal friendship don't you because you, you just have to be really understanding of each we should other. explain why Laura's not here actually today shouldn't yeah. we well we should yeah <laughs> well, I think we're all <laughs> we're really jealous of, um, <laughs> she's, uh, she's swanning around Cannes actually at Cannes Film Cannes Festival Cannes Film Festival yeah um, why, we, we, why is she there we flipped a coin I won so I got to come here and she had to go to camp you're so sweet <laughs> thank you um, she is there um, oh you know living it up she's the glamorous one so like I'm just holding the port That's you know true. No, she'll be, she's actually gone for the day which I think is the most glamorous thing I've ever heard <laughs> just flying in just flying in dolls yeah. helicopter yeah she's just on the on the cop um, yeah I actually haven't heard from her and but what's she doing like why is she going in for the day red um, carpet or no. red carpet kind of yeah, stuff yeah, yeah totally yeah. just, just Strolling yeah. that carpet. But is she going to a party? Is she going to see a film? Is she presenting? Is she working or as a Danielle? All of this. She's a, she's a busy woman. Yeah, all of this. She's, I, I presume her and George Clooney are hanging out. I want to know. Okay. Well, we're sorry that she's not here, but um, I can understand why she's not. Yeah. Okay. So um, and and, there, and and you you so you did the supper clubs and then that sort of spun off. Well, you still do them, but in addition to that, you also got a column. I think initially in Elle magazine. And now in Marie Claire. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you've also published a food book. Yeah, just which out is very recently, hot off the press. I have a copy right here, and I'm flipping through. It's really, really beautiful. Thank you. And I love that it was um, that you worked with Kristen. Pereres, um, who also photographed the Violet Bakery cookbook, um, and I, she's amazing to work with. She's so. fantastic, and no. we loved your book. So that was definitely one of the books that was. Um, kind of in our mind when we were trying to copy That's it. Nice. Um, <laughs> when we were trying to rip it off from cover to cover. Um, so yeah, Kristen is incredible mm. and we'd never done anything like this. I mean, we'd obviously been interested in making things look nice for a long time because a big part of our supper clubs and our dinners of course is the food, but it's about having a really nice night. So, Well, I love that in the beginning you have lots of tips about chopping and kind yeah. of laying a table and, and atmosphere what, yeah, and because, because we're not pros I think 
you have to we always said you have to kind of manage expectations like if you're going to come to our supper club it's not going to be some Michelin star meal it's not going to be some cordon bleu jus and reduction and like it's very rustic and it's, it's home cooking but I think making that feel special and making people feel welcome I think that's as much part of the alchemy of having a really good night as anything else you know keeping the definitely, wine flowing definitely. as soon as people walk in like taking a coat and giving them a glass or something you know I think all of those things are so easy to forget if you're stressing about the food yes um, so yeah the book is kind of about that it's about saying it's called Round to Hours which is supposed to sound a bit informal <laughs> and a bit northern uh, Laura being more northern than me she's you know representing everything north of the wash but um, yeah it's just supposed to be about getting people together because how often do people stress out about having people over on a Friday night more than you know six you know six to ten people it's a lot it's, it's full on it's it's pressure and actually it's about I think stepping back and going yeah it'd be really nice if it was the perfect meal but people have come to see you so exactly. don't be chained to the oven while yeah. people are having fun in the other room like make it look nice make it feel nice yeah make some nice food and then get drunk and have fun it. yeah 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 it's yeah. great have your t- has your taste in food and what you like and don't like changed since working in, with it in it yeah I think so and working with Laura as well because we are quite um, our palates are quite different I think and uh, Laura's at the half John is vegetarian so she's really imaginative with veggie food so that's been great I always joke that um, I've, I've discovered the uh, the white bean thanks to Laura she's a uh, <laughs> What she can't do with a jar of white beans, honestly. My goodness. I saw on Instagram the other day of her white bean dinner, actually. <laughs> Total yogurt as well. well my that. my other half, Damien, is also, um, well, he's a, a pescatarian. Yes. Like on pesky, he's really pesky. pesky. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it is, it's good. You become. Very foodie now. <laughs> yeah. So pesky. He's so pesky. Oh. No, he's, he's amazing. But he. <laughs> it's good to. to Damien. To, to test your kind of. Um, yeah, not to just go for the meat and the two veg and I didn't think I was particularly a carnivore but Mm. she's opened my eyes to being really smart about um, about using things up as well that they always used to get a a, a growing communities veg veg bag box thing growing communities we use their lettuces here they're so great I love them aren't they and their ethos is so brilliant they're amazing so I'd often have to go pick it up for them because you know I'm their assistant as well as being one half of Jackson Lee PA Uh, yeah exactly Um, and She's just, yeah, she's just really creative about putting things together. But also having worked in food now a bit, I think I'm a lot more, I think my eyes are a lot more open to like, for ideas. And we both always steal menus from places. And that's really useful when we're coming up with ideas, just going through them all and saying, oh, yeah, that would be a really nice combo. And that from that would be really nice. So, um, yeah, I think you, you you hone your eye a bit more for what you're looking for. That's great. Yeah. You, do you eat out a lot to, to yeah. kind of, for, oh, really re- for research? For research purposes, solely. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask, Jen, do you cook for yourself at home? Yeah. So, do you live by yourself? I do live by myself. How um, do you have time to cook? To eat. And, yeah. <laughs> I just have a drip, Claire. It just goes, you know, straight to the vein. Um, well, it's a nice way. It's a nice way to unwind, isn't it? I mean, I don't have. I don't always have enough time to do the, those like, those days that are kind of luxurious where you get up yes. and you go and you buy nice stuff and you come home and you spend all day doing it and yeah. I love those days and those I don't really have days. the time to do as much of that at the moment because um, I do a ratio at the weekend 
and that's yeah, those those like Sunday when you do afternoons it. are so nice, mm. aren't they? Um, but yeah, I do. I, I really love it. But so if, what do you, if, if you just have an evening, and I'm sure you don't have many of those, but say yeah. you've got the evening to yourself at home, what would you cook for yourself? Oh, that's a good one. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if this is because I'm from a Scottish family, but I love potatoes. So potatoes any way, I'm like really excited about. So what did I do the other night? I just did um, roasted like Jersey Royals, mm. like whole, you know, loads of salt, loads it's of oil. It's the moment for those. Oh my God, it's so good. I like it. And then um, I'd made some um, wild garlic pesto. So I had that already in the in the fridge. Nice. And um, I did like asparagus with it and like some um, peas and beans and then just the and just the, the pesto on the top. I mean, that's, that sounds like a side dish, but that's just what I had. Is that bad? No, that sounds great. I'm quite into that whole it idea. Sounds beautiful as well. I love yeah, side dishes. I see dishes. that on the menu. <laughs> yeah, side yeah, dishes exactly. as a main. That's a good one, isn't it? I'm really into that idea. Yeah. yeah. I That's often, a thing. Yeah, several sides instead of a main. Well, yeah, like, people um, forget is it the sides. Ed Smith's book. Yes, it looks so great. Yes, I've just exactly. seen bits of it. That's all. Is yeah. it put on the side or bits uh, on the side? Bits on the something side on the side. <laughs> bit on the side would make sense. Yeah, on the side or bit on the side. But it looks sorry, amazing. Ed. Oh, sorry, Ed. All side dishes, and it looks amazing. <laughs> Were you inspired by your mum? Because I know you said that she had her own vegetarian food catering company yeah. when you were growing up. Yeah, so growing up in Nottingham. In Nottingham. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's an amazing, amazing home cook. Like, we always had... I mean, it's a bit of a joke, because she <laughs> caters even when she's not catering, if you know what I mean. Like, she's one of those people that can't cook for two people. Um, and I think it's probably why me and my brother are heavy set. <laughs> and growing up, we were roly-poly. Because for those of you <laughs> out there, this is not true. But, uh, well, You're at, tiny. At, what least, you, what at least growing up, we weren't... Nobody would ever mistake us for being malnourished. We ate and ate. You know, you know some families that had, like, plated-up food? We always had a dish in the middle. Like, there were always seconds yeah, yeah, yeah. and thirds of what those you know that was always Same. the thing um <laughs> so yeah she's amazing and and interested as well like she I, I said to you earlier she loves loves your stuff in in, guard, in the guardian and um Delighted she does loads of tear, like tearing out and always thinking of nice things to make um so even before she did the catering that was a thing and and food was a really big part of family time so we always had dinner at the table we like never had we always we would always want to have dinner on our laps in front of the tv but we never did that and now retrospectively i'm like oh i see so that was to like bond as a family like great okay that makes sense yeah um although she does say to me and my brother when we've like reminiscing you know, like food memories she's like oh what do you what what's like really um reminiscent of like your young years what do you always think of and considering she made everything from scratch we're always like do you remember you used to buy that sainsbury's salmon and broccoli pie when oh we used to God. get back from swimming i was just when you were saying this i was thinking my mom a special treat would be we had these things called tv hungry man tv dinners and i'm thinking oh god i remember those little tv dinners and they had this little like cherry pudding thing and then the whole thing was like on a, like an airplane yes it was like a tray with little like a tolly tray and you would heat the whole thing so that's like, kind of thing that's like illegal now yeah and that was probably like i don't know once four times a year honestly i, I remember my, i used to babysit for my brother like again my parents probably didn't go out between 
been, you know, yeah, for no. like the first 16 years of my life. <laughs> but I, I babysat for my brother probably twice and I made him um, potato smileys and like beans and, you know, like, it, I mean, gross. And he's now like, those were the days, the Remember Halcyon those? days. And yeah. my mum's probably like, oh, great. So Tater I tore my own veg, I have an allotment. Like, I just like pumped you guys full of like all the best vitamins and we're like, I love those Finder's crispy pancakes. But we it's had like, it's, it's like, you remember those, those highlights of kind of it, it being something naughty or it being really different naughty, yeah. but thank goodness for all of that nourishment that she gave you obviously it God got God. in there somewhere <laughs> well Max is you know six foot four that wouldn't have happened yeah. you know just having frozen food but it obviously it. It, it went deep it instilled yeah, and, and still now like, I you. love going in the kitchen with an owl yeah. and, and she <laughs> like I say she grows a lot of her own stuff and that's been inspiring because oh, gross that's inspiring that's been interesting oh horrible what is this like a gr- Oscar Oscar acceptance speech just want to thank God um, but that's been good because she'll say oh this is in se-. it's just made me more in check about seasons because she's growing stuff and she's really excited about it so that's you have infectious. an awareness yeah and, 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 and that's nice and she'll bring a bunch of this or a bunch of that when she comes up so that's really good yeah. <laughs> you're both looking at me expectantly Danielle's just checked it. Check, checking her I, 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 <laughs> sorry what what no um, you're on Facebook I also was, you told me that your mum was a um, pub sign painter before she went into catering and I just thought that was such a cool interesting job right it's good isn't it yeah that imagine being a pub thing. sign painter no that's really cool yeah. because um, I need one at the moment <laughs> do you really yeah I need a sign painted stop it does she still no she would <laughs> for you Claire she would she'd be over the moon my sign painter moved she, to she, Canada she reads your stuff in the Guardian so she yeah, I mean, well we'll talk mates race yeah talk after yeah. <laughs> so um, what about what's it like presenting on Radio 1 it's really good it's not we were we were saying earlier weren't we about making things that you enjoy your work mm. and I feel like I've, I feel like I've been really lucky and done that because so, this is the whole do not this, and what, how do you feel about being called like a millennial and because I feel like everything you're talking about you know the sort of multi-hyphenate phenomenon millennials it all everything you do kind of is almost like the definition of that when people say millennial this millennial that does that annoy you or do you I always I'm really intrigued by it because I feel as though I feel as though people who are so what is a millennial? How what's the age bracket for a millennial? Checking <laughs> um, I think it's from eighty three six or something. Like to, to what, like, so I just think that you? people eighty six. It totally is. <laughs> you cheeky man. There you go. So what? You're, so so if you're what twenty five to thirty five? Isn't mm. I don't know what is the thirty. To, I think it's people born after. One of my friends. Anyway, I'll look it up. We'll come back to it. Okay. How's it working at Radio 1? <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll cut we'll the edit, We'll edit that um, bit. <laughs> I suppose the thing that confuses oh. me is um, I don't feel like people who are millennials talk about... You're never self-referential, are you? You're never like, gosh, us, 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 sorry, gosh, us millennials are doing so many things. Right. There are no precise dates for when... I'm looking on Wikipedia. Okay. After Typically, use the early 1980s as starting birth years and the mid-1990s to early 2000s as ending birth years. Okay. It's the generation after mine. I was Gen X. Oh, so you're not a millennial? Oh, no. So should we be hanging out, the three of us? Not really. This is awkward. Um... (laughs) 
Yeah. You're right, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? The slash thing or the, yeah. the hyphen thing. But I feel like it just means that people are doing... Like, when my mum and dad started working, you kind of did a job forever, didn't you? Like, yes. my dad worked, it was a it's teacher not a po- It's not really yeah. a reality or a possibility yeah. to do that anymore. So it's a, it's a, a clever... What's happening in the culture. In the economy as well, And I'd I think say. it's being... I think it's being nimble. It's saying, mm. my work is this, but that doesn't have to be all of me. Like, if I'm not getting satisfaction in certain areas, then I can maybe do a, another little thing on the side that satisfies that and something over here. And I think people are more, maybe more um, more adaptable and also more open to not everything paying as well. I think lots of people do stuff <laughs> on the side because they love it. Yeah. And it's not just about keeping the lights on. Maybe I don't know. It's, it's, it's tricky. It's tricky yeah. to know. I think I think some of the the more negative connotations are that there's like a shorter attention span and that there's like a yeah. kind of four things, not just not just drifted off there for a minute. Not not. I don't mean just like in a conversation, but like for you know, like people. For example, um, in in my bakery, you know, people want to work here for shorter amounts of time, and then they want to go try something else and try another restaurant, another oh, restaurant, another restaurant. Yeah. As opposed to at Chez Panisse, where I worked. I mean, obviously, I'm not comparing my business to Chez Panisse in terms of reputation. But even there, it's the same problem now. But when I worked there 15 years ago, it was people people had been there for 20 years working there. Yeah. You know, it was a career thing, just like you were saying with your parents' generation. And, yeah. and it, it, was, um, it was thought to be, you know, impossible to leave before, like, two, three, four years, because why would you hadn't learned it yet? Yeah, and now I think people think that they've learned it all in a year and then they go somewhere else. Um, so there's that. Yeah, there bit. is that, definitely. Yeah, that does that does happen now you've said that. Everybody's a profound, like, kind I of think an expert I'm, really quickly. I, I recently went freelance, and I, th- and I, which I love, but I think one of the main things you really need is a lot of energy because when you have a job that's just one job um, that you go to every day mm. you sort of get into this routine and you don't have to think too much about what you know well you obviously don't have to think where the next paycheck's coming from there's no hustle security so I always think you know you've got to have a lot would you agree that you need a lot of energy and um, enthusiasm and ideas to always be thinking of the hustle and the next idea and I was just wondering with you where do you think you're you, you know you're really confident um, you've got a lot of can do attitude that's interesting I, you say that because I don't I, I don't always feel very confident I think I'm prob- I am probably outwardly quite confident um, but I I doubt myself a lot and I think I think that's maybe part of the collaboration thing as well I think working with other people um, there's a lot of safety in that and there's a lot of um, there's there's yeah just a lot of uh, comfort in working with somebody else because if all all goes wrong it's their fault if exactly. all goes right, you just blame. it's all me um, yeah I definitely agree with you about the, about the freelance thing and about having lots of plates spinning means that you you kind of are constantly think maybe that's the short attention span thing because you're because you have to constantly be thinking about all these different things mm. you, you may maybe that does mean that you are distracted in each of them maybe maybe you can't be present in everything when there's so many things on the go and actually Laura always tells me off because I'm on my phone all the time well it's that's the other thing is the phone yeah you know we didn't have that you must have had phones but how old are you <laughs> we didn't have telecommunications <laughs> I know. You're really, you're really not a millennial, are you? <laughs> well, I kind of, I mean, I, I'm bad on my phone as well. 
um, the anyway. First World War was so tough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Morris Code. <laughs> I remember when they cracked Enigma. <laughs> yeah, anyway. No, you're right. And actually switching off um, is... It's a new thing, though. Like, people are, you know, like, even all the tech people, you know, it's like having your phone on the table upside down, not acceptable. It has to be, like, off the table completely. Yes. You know, you can't... Uh, <laughs> I'm just looking at mine. It's upside down. <laughs> but it's, it's true. gross, though, isn't it? Like, my mum and dad always say, what, what could you, like, who's going to be emailing you at, 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 at um, you know, 10, 10 o'clock at night? And I'm like, well, it's all the stuff that I've not done today. That, And I hate that feeling of that stone in your stomach where you think, like, I'm not really paying attention to us having a nice time because I'm worried about that. I actually hate that. So I just don't know how you balance it. But um, I think that's just quite liberating that you can work when you when it's convenient to work now. You don't have to work within the set hours when everyone else is in the office because of the internet. But maybe you have to set your own hours and then you set some parameters so, time. so that you have off time. Because yeah, you need true. the off time and the downtime for also for your for your creativity to, to come back and flow. Otherwise it's kind of like you're always on the on the verge of something. Oh yeah. And I think know? sometimes I've been in meetings or I've been with Laura, I've been with the podcast boys, or I've been at Radio One where I think I'm spent. Like I mm-hmm. actually don't think my brain is operating to generate good ideas because yeah. I've just gone back to back. And you forget that you have to have it sounds lame, but you have to have time off to like sort of get your creative juices back to get your you know, if you're in Absolutely. a deficit you Absolutely. just can't generate more. What do you do to relax yeah. for downtime? Mm. I think um, being around people that make me laugh is downtime. In whatever like forum that's in, but you know when you belly laugh and you come away and you like go you know go home and you get into bed and you think like I'm really knackered from being like from having a sore face and that's that's the best feeling. So yeah, doing that um, and eating a lot. Actually, going home. So I, I don't do it as much as I would like. But going back to Nottingham, getting out of London is a really good thing. Getting out of London is oh, great. Man. Like not doing that commute where you're in someone's armpit. Um, <laughs> although I am single now, so all those people that I was nestling into the chest of, look me up. Um, yeah, just getting out is so good. Mm. I, getting on my bike, I've really enjoyed doing that. Although Warren, who, who does your lovely, perfect sound on this podcast, so we were just talking about that. And um, I once, quite recently, cycled to Laura's house, just moved to a forest gate in East London, and my navigation is not good. So I feel like I'm having a really nice time, and then I end up on a dual carriageway, and I'm like, this oh is no, not the real. Oh no. I'm like, oh god. So yeah, I'm petrified to cycle in London. I don't know how you do that. Well, don't go on the motorway that I went on because it's not <laughs> cycle friendly. No. And what about? What else would you want to do? I mean, you've done a lot right, already. I feel like. <laughs> What's next in your career? <laughs> I love that. I'm like, I'm You're really like, strung you out. I need some time things. off. <laughs> What's next? Well, I feel like I, I totally swerved your question about the the creative juice, uh, the kind of the creative juices and the the confidence and the yeah. ideas thing. Sorry. I thought you were swerving it on purpose. So I was. Well, gonna... I was. I was kind of <laughs> delaying to buy myself time, but. I actually just thought I think you have I think I think you are at your best when you're with the right people so I think when you're struggling 
and because I don't think any idea is ever fulfilled entirely on its own. And I know you said you started Violet on your own, but I'm sure yeah. there were people that provided various things in that process. Damien, <laughs> Damien, thank you, Damien, for all of your pesky help. Sugar dog. <laughs> no, definitely. Yeah. Or, or, or people that you bounced ideas off that gave you a nugget here or gave you a, like a good bit of advice there. So I think when you're with people where it just feels easy, that that is the sign that it's the right combination. So at Radio 1, I have been so lucky because I've worked with some really fantastic producers and you know it just clicks and you're like I don't sound that good usually and you've made me sound that good and that's true with like Laura doing that book I mean God knows what that book would have looked like if I wasn't doing it with Laura honestly there were times when I was like what about this and she'd look at me and go really and I'm like no that was a joke obviously um, I, I really don't think we should do that that definitely wasn't the best idea that I had today you know it, 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 I just think that that chemistry is amazing so I think that's what keeps you energised is when you think oh I really want to do that with you because that'll be good it's just not having enough time to do everything is it but I don't even I don't even know if that was your question Danielle what did you say do I want a scone I can't remember what you asked <laughs> where is that scone oh, you know it's coming at the end um, and no I wanted to know if you had any ideas or thoughts about what you want to do next, next. Uh, well we started off talking about comedy I would like to do more comedy stuff I knew it you knew it <laughs> you little snake um, I would like to do more comedy stuff please do it makes me laugh so much everyone's going to listen to this and be like not funny at all why did you set her up with that intro I'd like to I'd like to write a sitcom when I'll do that I'm not sure um, but I would like to do something that I've written and performing but I don't know what that is and people are always like what would the story be and I'm like I don't know you tell me what your idea is and I definitely won't steal it um, yeah I might even my brother is a really good writer so maybe we maybe we should do something together I don't actually pitch that to him Max you listen <laughs> Um, and I just I wanted to just bring up that the, t- the TV show you did Girls Can Code talk to me because I loved it did you? I really did and was, I wondered if, if you were asked to host that or if it was your idea or how that came about so years and years and years ago I pitched an idea that was about um, women girls working in male dominated areas um, and, I, and I wanted to look at that somehow a, do- a documentary and no it never came off or it never, it never kind of struck on where it would sit or exactly what it would be and then um, the guys the production company on, on Girls Can Code came to me and said this feels like it's a thing there's been this like study about um, which feels actually even more pertinent now mm. with talk about things like like Uber and all of these big new uh, you know one time startups that are now really dominating the market um, there's been lots of articles about women being kind of minorities in, in those teams. So they said to me, you know, we'd like to do something about that. And and it, yeah, it felt like a really good fit. So it was, it, it was their idea. Um, but it was all about this thought that perhaps girls aren't working in coding, not because, um, well, for various reasons, not because they don't think they can do it necessarily, although that's lots of people, mm-hmm. maybe because they didn't really know it was a thing and they didn't really you know know how they would apply their skills to that because they maybe didn't think it was creative when it is 
is really, really creative. It's more like a language than, you know, maths or science that sometimes people think of it as. Um, so all these, like, barriers to entry and also that, it, that people thought that it was a laddie, boyish... Yeah kind of club male geeky club so all these misconceptions and all all of these hurdles so yeah we took some girls on this journey and and introduced them to coding and some of them took to it like a duck to water some of them didn't like it some of them said (laughs) i'll do a bit and i'll I'll come back to it at some point maybe so yeah it was a really really interesting one and i think it what it opened my eyes to one particular bit that really struck me we went to um we went to Spotify mm. and what really struck me was that they used all of these apps all the time and they were a really big part of their lives. So like, they were on Instagram all, yeah. all the live long day yeah. um, but they'd never thought about how that was in front of them and all of the, the mechanics that, that how that could be what they did when they grew up all of that back end stuff yeah. and all of well, even well, even the stuff that was facing them that there's a graphic designer that's, mm. that's, that's created that or there's somebody who's given you the facility to like that or to tag that or to pin that or what, you know, whatever the, the tools were somebody's thought of that and that started not as code that started as an idea yeah. and then the code is what lets you develop and do that Mm. so I I felt like light bulbs switched on and they were like oh right this is exciting and that and that was a thrill to see them go oh man and how how old were they they were they were they varied but they were um kind of 18 to early 20s so some of them were embarking on that moment when they were like I've just come out of school I've just come out of like full-time education what is my next thing Mm. and a lot of them wanted to do stuff that they felt was artistic or creative and we were going, well, this is that too. So that was that was really nice. So when we talked to Kim, we had Kim Bhutan on the other day and she has her own uh, digital creative digital agency and she was talking about coding a lot and how creative you can be with it and yeah. artistic. And she's so creative and artistic yeah. and, and inspiring. Yeah, and she's so inspiring. <laughs> no, but she really is. <laughs> she really is and... and um, and glamorous and cool and you know and and really techy as well. Um, but so, that's a point yeah. that kind of calls back what you were talking about about the the, the hyphen mm, mm. community. <laughs> what, was, what did we call it? The millennial thing. Multi hyphen. Multi. Yeah. I multi hyphen. Multi hyphen. Multi hyphen. You're multi hyphen. I'm not. Your mum's multi hyphen. <laughs> um, the. I think it's. I think you you have to be a bit of a Swiss Army knife, don't you? Yeah. you if you're going to start something, you maybe don't. Good analogy. Thanks. I don't know where that came from. What is it? Um, let's go with it until it falls apart. <laughs> In that you have to have a mini pair of scissors <laughs> at the end scissors. of your hand. Just how to close them though is always tricky. You have to have some nail clippers growing out of your ear. Um, you, if you've got an idea, you don't always have the money to get the expert you need onto that. So you have to learn the little bit that you need to to forward whatever your idea is. So if it is building a website, you have to teach yourself maybe that little bit of code. That doesn't mean you're going to necessarily learn coding. Mm -hmm. You just need to learn that little bit or you need to... um, become au fait with social media to like get that bit across so I think I think being a bit of a jack of all trades doesn't mean that 
doesn't mean that you it's can't like, be master of one. So yeah. you might be really yeah. good at this one thing, but you just need that little peppering of skills in those other bits. So I think that's why people feel like they have lots of fingers in pies, mm-hmm. because that's facilitating maybe that mm-hmm. one idea, perhaps. I love that, because I think also, you know, being a business owner, you have to be like that. Yeah. That's what you need to make it work, because you can't always call someone to fix every little no. thing that breaks. You figure out, like, a, I figure out how to, you know do the electric sometimes or like fix oh, the mixer. <laughs> no really like I've done things like that or fix a mixer or you know you, you have to kind of just do it yourself because Is basically that why they tape around that light bulb <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah you do you know and it's just like do it yourself and, and you know I had to rewire the toaster basically yeah. because it wouldn't <laughs> all that we drilled to plug it in don't order the toast Danielle <laughs> But it's but it's um, uh, it's satisfying too, and it's really funny because people that work for me they always kind of joke too. They're like, "Know where the toolbox is." Yeah. <laughs> also, like accounting and things, mm. you know, things that you of course don't think. I oh, I want to be an accountant necessarily when mm. I start off on this idea, but of course you need to have a knowledge of that, and you need to know well because otherwise you'll get taken advantage of, yeah. or you have to pay for everything and you just can't. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and um, there's nice. a there's a quote that. Um, have you, have you listened to Tina Fey's Bossy Pants, like where she reads it aloud? No. Yeah. It's so good. I, so, so good. Oh, so Anything. brilliant. Okay, good Lots of people have, have read the, the book, but hearing her read it aloud is brilliant. Um, and there's hours of it, so if you've got like a train journey or something. But she says about um, working on Saturday Night Live, so Lorne Michaels is a big mastermind behind that. And he always says that, that the show doesn't go on because it's ready. The show goes on because it's 11.30. And I think that that's a really good lesson for life. It's like, it doesn't have to be perfect. It, you yeah. just have to... It's the Sheryl Sandberg mentality. Exactly, just like, get it out. Done is better than perfect. Yeah. yeah. And and also... Is that lean could, in? You could... F- lean... Is that lean in? in? Is that lean, lean in woman, yeah. Lean lean in, is that... That's her book. Yeah, is yeah. that who you're talking about? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You just lean really in. had really the... intense eye contact with Daniel and went, lean in, lean in, lean in. Yeah. Is it like that. one of those um, Nam Yo Ho Renge Kyo chants? Uh, Do you say it like so many times that you get really zen? Yeah, zen. Mm-hmm. So before we finish, what are... Oh, I have two questions. Yeah. Um, it was about two. accounting. I was just joking. Yeah. I literally don't know anything about it. <laughs> that was, that was, like, can you help me with that invoice? Like, What's your unique tax reference? Oh, God. Um... No, okay, so I I wanted to know if you had... Back to supper clubs. Okay. Um, I wanted to know... I've gone all the way back there. I wanted to know if you had any kind of, like, your... Obviously, you have a whole section in the book about tips on how to do it and everything, sure. but kind of, like, a really great, fun tip for making it, you know, successful or... Like, so I had this thing where, when like, last night we went to this restaurant, and it was pouring outside and I was with I was with our friend with Penny and Veronica that's Penny and Martin you can <laughs> Penny, Penny and Veronica Penny and Veronica Penn and Vaughn <laughs> um no but we were leaving and we were like oh no it's pouring none of us have umbrellas and I was like well you know you can just say to um just go to the front and that people always forget their umbrellas at restaurants like it's like a thing like what? people always leave and they've forgotten their umbrellas so when you just go do you have any spare umbrellas like that people have left you know and he's like, and he opens this. Are you insane? And he opens this <laughs> covered. And we had like our choice of sort of five fantastic. Is this, <laughs> is this a thing? That's a yeah. really good tip. Yeah. And so, and they were like, they were, it was really funny because I, I forget. I'm embarrassed asking. Well, I think like, they I'm, were embarrassed. I think I embarrassed them, but then they were like, And are you like, has anyone left like, their wallet? 
<laughs> I'm looking for an Italian leather. <laughs> then they were quickly like, that is amazing. And they loved it. And we walked out with, we all had umbrellas. Yeah, because, you know, no one ever comes back for the umbrella. Do you think they don't? No. Actually, I know for a fact here at Violet, they never come back for the umbrella. Don't leave your umbrella at Violet. Don't leave anything I mean, of for great few, importance. You know, a couple weeks, but then come on. Come on. <laughs> Fair game. I am really aware of not leaving any of my personal possessions here because they will be gone. <laughs> that laptop's going to be straight on eBay. Um, that is a great tip. Okay, so you want like a good one for for supper clubbers, like That's or or makes it amazing when you're giving one. You know, like things that you could have. Like I'm sure there's lots of things that could go wrong. So yeah, loads of stuff could go wrong, <laughs> and usually it does at ours. Um, so one of the cover things, ups, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so Laura and I always make mistakes but I think a thing that she always says actually is that people don't know how it's supposed to look people don't know how what they're supposed to be getting and because we give the menu on the day yeah they don't know that there's supposed to be this thing sprinkled on top or this dollop of whatever um so to not kind of not stress out about that but I think a really nice thing is for stuff to be plentiful mm. like I think that's always better than scrimping definitely and because it's you're essentially having a meal in someone's house it's it's not like going to a restaurant where you might have a small plate with a teeny portion. Like it's supposed to be a feast, and like people are supposed to feel like yeah. they've had a, a lovely um, a lovely supply. So I think a nice thing to do is um, have a thing for people to take home. So if you do make extra, to have a little bottle of that cordial that you made lovely. for the cocktail, mm. or you, and that's what people remember. Because people, let's be honest, are so pissed at the dinner. They're like, <laughs> I don't even know what I've eaten. What was it? Egg, chicken? Who knows? But then the next the day, morning. yeah, totally. The next day, when you've like bundled up some of the leftover sourdough, or you've like so given, sweet. Them, I think that's a really nice thing that stays with people. Great and tip. I think it's those little details that people actually like really appreciate, and and are, are kind of a fun thing to do as well. Like me and Laura love doing that, and like, you know, labeling up a bit of old oil. Give it to them; it's fine. <laughs> um, another good tip is. Um, Make sure you remember to take all of your drying knickers off the radiator because our first one, Laura didn't do that. And people were like, what's that? And I'm like, oh my God, her smalls are literally all over the flat. Oh God. And I remember because um, uh, Clark and Well Boy came to one of them and he was just like, do you know the, do you know the food vlogger? the food thing. And he was just like snapping all these pictures. And I'm like, that's just going to be pictures of Laura's pants all over the internet, which to be fair, people would pay a lot of money for, I'm sure. Um, so yeah, have a little tidy And this is uh, such a lame one, but I think it's quite good. Middle lights, so like central big lights, oh. smash them. Just yes. like, just don't have Off. them on. Have you been around someone's house for dinner before and you're like, sorry, is this a police investigation? I is just this, go like, turn them off or turn them down. I literally like even... It's yeah, like no, an interrogation terrible. room, doesn't it? Uh, yeah, do you I switch would, other people's lights Oh, yeah, off? no, I'm, I was in a restaurant the other day and I, and I said, sorry, sorry, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> to the waiter, would you mind just doing these lights down? And he, like, he thought I was crazy, but he did it. And then and everybody like, was like, any umbrellas? <laughs> <laughs> you can't take me anywhere. I'm so sorry. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Should we ask Alice about you know your your question? My question. Yeah. Okay. No, this is no. This sounds like it's so hyped up now. Let <laughs> me just ask. I will. The I big do. reveal is. Uh. It's just um, we <laughs> ask everybody what is their favorite cake. Oh, whoa! Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to say the tricky ones. Or pudding. It could be any any like um, kind of dessert. Okay. <laughs> so I'm quite partial to an old school treacle sponge, but with 
This is curveball. That has to be hot, steaming hot, and the custard has to be cold. Ice cold. Ice cold. Stone cold. Stone cold sober. Stone cold custard. <laughs> yeah. How do you mm. feel about that? I love that. <laughs> I, I'm a big fan of, you know, contrast. Yeah, I like um, the... <laughs> temperature and, and, and uh, textures. And Famously, things. it's what I think of you for. <laughs> she loves those contrasting temperatures and textures. <laughs> it's your calling card. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Did you just kick Warren under the table? <laughs> oh my God, cut. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to... I'm stepping in. All right, Alice, thank you so much for coming Danielle. into Violet Sessions. It's been really thank fun you. and really great. And Claire's definitely had a good time too. <laughs> any of it <laughs> none of it we're gonna kill the whole thing thanks alice thank you thank you what a great dress rehearsal <laughs> that was alice levine talking to danielle rodeutchen and me claire patak on violet sessions please subscribe leave comments and follow us we are on instagram as at violet sessions and the show is a co-production of in talks with and Wargy productions thanks for listening 